You're listening to Solar Insiders, a fortnightly update on the ins and outs of the solar industry and what it means for consumers. With Renew Economy's editor, Giles Parkinson, and leading solar industry veteran, Nigel Morris. Solar Insiders is brought to you by Solar Analytics, suppliers of intelligent solar monitoring, and SunWiz, the creators of the powerful PV cell software. Hello and welcome to this latest episode of Solar Insiders. My name is Giles Parkinson. I'm the editor of Renew Economy and One Step Off the Grid and the Driven. And joining me as usual, but not for a long time, is Nigel Morris from Solar Analytics. How are you, Nigel? Oh, Giles, don't ever go away again. <laughs> can I? Can I? I, really want, I really want to. Now, I've got more content that we can talk about in one episode now, mate. Just that extra week and just so much has happened. So, you know, know, I'm glad you had a holiday. I hope it was good, but, but don't ever go again. Mate, it was absolutely amazing. Thanks for asking. Um, yeah. <laughs> Look, went to Western Australia, drove up north, spent about two weeks in a, um, in a uh, in, well, it, it, it was called a camper van, but it wasn't really. It was actually just an SUV with a tent, folding tent on top. So we had this wonderful king-size bed on the roof, which would just sort of fold out and fold up again which only nice. took about a minute, which was nice, and went all the way up to um, Ningaloo Reef. Oh, which beautiful. Is just amazing, just amazing. Yeah. Um, if you haven't been to Ningaloo Reef, you must go. Um, a good reminder of there is so much under the water that we just forget about. We just look out in that sort of blue amorphous mass and think, oh, she'll be right. And you just look at the beauty and the fragility of what happens under the, um, under the, under the, under the um, ocean. It's um, quite amazing. It is quite amazing. That and, um, part of the world is just spectacular, isn't it? And we spent well, we spent all the all the time in camping um, camping grounds, and all but two of them um, of the nights were in sort of remote camping grounds. So you know, you got your you got your four wheel drives and your sort of determined campers. And mate, Tom, I reckon there's ninety percent, at least ninety percent, solar penetration out there <laughs> in, in four wheel driving. That's and, true. That's and true. Um, it seems to handle the, and, and and there's even tracking technology. It involves some bloke walking out of his caravan every half an hour and turning the panels <laughs> turning around. Turning the panels. Yeah. <laughs> it seems that's, to be very that's, effective. That's me. That's me. That's, that's me. You. I'm just going to adjust the panels, honey. Oh God, it's quite funny. It's quite funny. But tell me, if you oh, stick that's ha- good. If, if half your panels stuck behind the wheel of your car or something else, then um, that's not a very good idea, is it? Not a good idea at all. I didn't. I didn't think it was. I sort of looked. I, I, the number of ones I saw where the panels were partially in the shade, even when they'd been moved, I went, oh, you know, should I should I tell them? Should I say something? <laughs> Works better with the sunlight. I don't know. <laughs> some you of them run in parallel, so some aren't affected so much as others. But um, you know, generally, get them in the sun. Get him in the sun. I think that's a really good tip. Um, mate, anyway, so that was um, that was good. And um, look, we also saw some whale sharks and the most amazing thing we saw, and I know I'm just sort of digressing for the moment, but the most amazing thing we saw was a killer pod, a pod, not a killer pod, well, it was a killer pod. It was a pod of killer whales. Oh, no way. Uh, quite extraordinary. Um, and we watched in horror and in awe as they hunted down, separated, and then ate a baby humpback whale. Oh, no way. Wow. Unbelievable. Wow. Unbelievable. There you go. And then these machines, as they seem to be, um, had the audacity to come over to our boat and, and jump and play in the way for 15 minutes afterwards, <laughs> as though they just sort of, you know, 
had a fine feast and um, oh, it's just tragic seeing the mother humpback whale trying to fight them off and um, oh. you know try to lift the baby out of the water even after it was dead it was still trying to do it and oh. and we nature got... at its most beautiful but yet brutal best hey unbelievable unbelievable and also just a reminder for us um, you know as I said before just looking under the waves and um, seeing all the beauty they're just a reminder of what we're fighting for um, I was just thinking basically. the same thing yeah yeah that's what we're all passionate about hey is Let's let's keep that let's keep let's it keep nice. Passion. Let's keep yeah, the passion. Let's keep it but, nice. Keep wait, it but there's silent. been some there's some good news and some um, and, and some interesting developments. Now um, mm. we got some um, we did get some data this week or last week from uh, one of our sponsors, uh, Sunwiz. Um, it's actually their PV cell product, which um, is sponsoring this co-sponsoring this podcast along with Sol mm. Analytics. But Sunwiz put out mm. the data last week. Yep, clocked up one gigawatt just about for the first six months, heading for two gigawatts for the year, which will take us to a grand total of 10 gigawatts in small-scale rooftop solar and uh, no doubt charging towards the um, probably about the 30 gigawatt mark you'd imagine by um, by the end of um, by around about 2030 yep I mean um, yeah quite extraordinary but um, it, the market's really turned back on you know it's it's funny uh, chatting with um, chatting with people as I do um, a lot of people said to me and, and we mentioned this on previous editions that you know in the lead-up to the election uh, a lot of consumers tend to sit on their hands and go, well, there might be a rebate, there might be a change, don't know, is it a good time to spend a chunk of money? Probably not, and they sit on their hands. And um, lo and behold, once the election was over, um, almost without um, without exception, everyone I spoke to has reported very, very strong sales where and, and very fast sales because everyone had been you know um, um, uh, considering their options for a month mm. and sort of thinking about doing something and then they by the time the election was done and we all got over that then they just went okay we need to do that solar thing nothing's dramatically going to change just press the button and get some for goodness sake get some and um that's so interesting. that's interesting yeah so the Taylor so, effect yeah, the Taylor effect. That's right. But you know, it was it was you know, it's again it's despite government attitudes and policies towards solar, um, which are mostly negative at the federal level, um, consumers just continue to look at it um, and say, well, it's a tangible way for me to save money. So off they go. Well, it's not a brainer. And, and and look, particularly um, if you've got money sitting in the bank and you're now getting 0.2% for it thanks to those interest rate cuts, I mean, you might as well do something with it and spend it on something. So, um, Oh, yeah, it's still you know, the best yeah. investment you can get. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, look, um, some positive thing came out of it. Well, look, the Victorian solar rebate scheme, which has been subject to a lot of commentary and um, mm. a little bit of angst going on. I mean, mm. you know, generally good idea. Um, mm. Implementation sort of subject to some debate now it switched back on again on july the 1st and by july the 3rd it was um it was it was <laughs> it's, done it's monthly its monthly quota was met yep now um some interesting stuff here there's a few proposals maybe just maybe um particularly on targeting some um just sort of shifting its target range instead of having homes up to 180,000 why not just sort of concentrate on the lower income houses 90,000 and below um that seems like a pretty good idea to me yeah, opening it up to the people who need it most, um, you know, is is a nice idea. Um, I really like that idea. It's it's kind of you know, um, uh, you know, targeting it so that it so that that rebate is accessible by the right people is a great idea. Um, the challenge, of course, is keeping a balance between that and you know keeping um, the money flowing at the right rate and making sure that the scheme works appropriately. And um, and of course, the on again, off again. You know, having the scheme switch back on and then turned off three days later. 
gosh, I really, really, really feel a lot of empathy for a lot of the solar businesses down there. And I was just chatting to someone before we, I, I hopped on the call and said, you know, what's going on down there? Is it is it that, you know, um, one or two big companies are jumping in and somehow snavelling all these rebate applications? Is that what's happening? And, and they don't quite, well, we don't quite know yet. Um, certainly a few of the people I spoke to said, look, we put in, you know, 30 or 40 or 20 or 100 or whatever the number was. Um, so we put in a few, but we certainly didn't put in 3,500 or 3,300 as the number was for the month. So, um, you know, um, upsides and downsides. The upside is that at least there was visibility about the number. The downside is clearly the number is uh, is being exhausted too quickly and, and somehow they're just being grabbed. And, um, you know, so theoretically the market doubled in Victoria as a result of this rebate in rough terms. So most of the solar dealers should be getting you know, 1.5 to 2 times the business opportunities that they were seeing previously. But but that's not actually how it's working out, it would appear. So how does it actually work? Because it's like, um, it's, is it first income served? And, and you've got to be first into what? You know, do you sort of form a queue outside a, a um, telephone box? Or do you sort of put something in and sort of fill out a form on the internet? What's, what's Look, going on? I'll admit to being naive to that because I'm not going through the process in no, detail. No, you're not naive, mate. You're ignorant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry. Thanks. I've come back in a feisty mood. Yeah. I think I described myself as a dangerous idiot at a conference. But naive. Oof. Ignorant. Ignorant, dangerous idiot. Okay. Okay. Um, but uh, I will do some investigation into that because um, this, is a re- this is a real issue because if, if uh, hypothetically speaking, there is a way that entities can, can get it. in and rotor it, rot it mm. corner, you know, just a huge chunk just by hitting enter, 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 um, then there's a problem that needs to be addressed. But I'm sure the SolarVit yep. guys will be all Onto over it. this and having lots of conversations. Cool. But a bit of work to do. A bit of work to do on that. Now, one thing that I forgot to do when I was away because uh, I forgot my toothbrush was brush my teeth. Um, oh. <laughs> Well, I just found a way, a bit of sand and a bit of salt. Yeah, that's the spirit. <laughs> that's the spirit. Everything will be fine, Anne. We're on holidays. Oh, that's a pretty awful segue into our next item. On the- <laughs> oh, Mrs. Marsh. How about that? Oh, dear. Should we start again? <laughs> no, no, no. no. I'm going. going to keep going because this is good solar news. And, and I have to say, um, never let it be said, Giles, that we don't listen to the listeners. And... Um, uh, whether it be the stuff that we talk about on this podcast or whether it be some of the content that I like to share with my industry peers on Facebook, um, I had a little bit of a little bit of a poke in the eye from a couple of um, a couple of listeners and followers saying, geez, Nides, this you know, enjoy the show, but boy, you guys are a bit negative. You're always talking about the bad stuff. Um, could you focus a bit more on the good stuff? And so we've taken that to heart, and this week there's no crap solar at all. It's all good solar this week, okay? Oh, that's a bit like the federal minister who was asked to talk about this little housing situation. He says, I just want to focus on the good news. Lots of people have got houses. <laughs> well, there you go. Me and, me and Angus, <laughs> Gus, we're just right on the same page. So let's get to some good, some good solar stuff is technology stuff, right? So you remember Mrs. Marsh from the coal Colgate ads, the fluoride in Colgate gets in your teeth like liquid in this chalk. You remember that. I do. I do. So the, what I am. Yeah. So the interesting thing I read about today was that, you know, what, what Colgate were trying to sell was the benefit of fluoride. Well, guess what? It turns out that fluoride can also help solar cells. Um, perovskite solar cells are something we've talked about before. They're the kind of 
next big leap if if they can get the tech right they're cheap they're simple um they they have great promise in terms of performance um and um you know a lot of companies are looking towards perovskite as the as the future tech that's going to replace silicon-based solar cells um but one of the big challenges they've got is is degradation. Um, you put them in the sun and they degrade very, very quickly. So they've been working on a lot of stuff like that, and we've talked about some of it. And it turns out that fluoride, the same stuff that Mrs. Marsh and Colgate were on about, uh, has wonderful benefits uh, for perovskite cells. So that's cool. That's pretty cool. Um, that's very cool, you know. Um, so now the, the the one caveat is, of course, we're still, you know, according to the, the article that was uh, published in uh, the Nature magazine, um, we're still five to ten years away from seeing this technology. So don't rush out and look for a perovskite solar panel yet. You can't get it. But um, the technology, it's good progress, and that's the yeah. important thing. And for goodness sake, don't put um, toothpaste on your solar panels. No, um, and don't dip your work. solar panels into blue water either. That's not going to help them. <laughs> see if it soaks in <laughs> well look that's it that's interesting stuff yeah and look a lot of that perovskite development of course was done at the university of new south wales um Indeed. And elsewhere so um that's pretty yeah. exciting um yeah. look that's good news and um mm. and on top of that we've got the largest solar system in the um in the world has come online um, yeah nur abu dhabi nur nor, nor Abu Dhabi, Dhabi 1.2 gigawatts in a single solar farm. Um, this was the one that you talked about and wrote about a lot because it delivered the energy. The, 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 uh, the offtake agreement was delivered at 2.4 US cents a kilowatt hour, which is remarkable. It is. Um, but really, really exciting to see such a huge project coming online. So, you know, that's really cool. Interestingly, Although it was listed and all the articles I read saying biggest solar system in the world, biggest solar system in the world, well, when you look on Wikipedia, which is, you know, what all government ministers do, so I'm following Angus's um, lead on, on this kind of thing, <laughs> um, you actually find three projects listed that are either complete or almost complete that are larger. There's 1.4 gigawatts, the Pav Pavagada Solar Park, and 1.5 gigawatts, gigawatts at um, uh, Badla Solar Park. Um, which are both in India, and then there's 1.5 gigawatts at the Tangier Desert Solar Park in China as well. Um, so hmm. there are there are a number of contenders for the largest one in the world now. Um, so Nur Abu Dhabi may just get pipped at the line um, just as it gets up up and running. But what's remarkable is just look at these few projects alone. 16 or close to 20 percent of Australia's total capacity just in four big solar projects that's pretty remarkable mm. i think well i think what we're seeing is that's really you know the biggest projects are getting bigger constantly and i think um, i've written about 20 times in the last two years australia's just completed its biggest solar project because that's kind of what's happened you know they're just getting bigger and bigger and bigger or the biggest in the state and yep. one gets built and then then gets rapidly overtaken by another one and um look it's interesting what you mentioned by the price i remember when that was announced a few years ago um mm. in abu dhabi actually at the um at the, um, I can't remember what the name of the conference is there now, it's the one hosted by IRENA in January, and uh, that price, 2.4 US cents, was announced. Well, they're still, they're, they're now, I mean, Abu Dhabi has got cheap finance and it's got cheap labour, which um, which helps. Um, mm -hmm. But um, that price in the latest auctions is now down to 1.7 cents, or is it 1.6 US cents? And um, wow. I was just reading, actually, the other day, um, in the Western states in the US, there's been a whole series of auctions happening, and Los Angeles looks like they're just about to announce an auction for um, 200 megawatts of solar and about two or four hours of storage 
for a combined price of less than two cents US, which suggests like about 1.6, 1.7 US cent for the solar and a couple of cents for the storage. And, um, and wow. And wow. Wow. I mean, you know, it's, um, that's pretty astonishing stuff. And is basically signing the death knell for a lot of planned, um, gas plants. Um, that were going to be built so um that's um that's pretty impressive pretty amazing it, stuff it yeah. is i saw anyway. i saw um someone on um fox news on a little clip somewhere the other day having a, a feisty debate with a fox news reader about how um it just made no sense for non-renewable projects to to take off in the us and there was actually a map that showed what the lowest cost energy sources were in um across uh, the whole of the us and wind and solar featured um, you know, in the vast majority of states, there were only one or two s- states where gas still had a little edge, and there was only, I think, one state where coal had an edge, um, which was as really? a result of huge. Sub- yeah, and, um, and, Fox, was, and Fox News broadcast that. Well, uh, yeah, I think it got <laughs> slipped in by the. How did that happen? Yeah, because they made themselves famous a couple of years ago when um, some very earnest reporter was explaining to the host um, why America didn't have so much solar, and Germany did, and that's because she said Germany has a lot more sun. <laughs> and, um, yeah. fantastic. It's fantastic. Anyway, um, let's bring it back to domestic and Australian shores. Um, more news mm. from Victoria. Mm. Yeah, um, another bit of good news, I think. I mean, some challenges. All good news has, you know, uh, uh, multiple angles. But one of the good things that we did hear, um, CEC put out a statement recently saying that, um, you know, as everyone would probably know now, uh, you're required to be an approved solar retailer in Victoria, which is not a perfect program, but it is... Um, uh, the only program that we have in the market that provides retail protection mechanisms for buyers of solar. So um, that part of the program I really, really love and and, and the fact that it's out there is great. Um, Apparently, um, yeah, so everyone in Victoria had to apply. Um, 96 of the top 150 Victorian solar companies are now approved apparently, so they're getting close to having that sort of target of 150. Um, But um, the good news out of this is 32% of them were knocked back. So, you know, the CEC um, approved retailer guys are doing a good job of, you know, really vetting these as hard as they can. It's not a perfect system, but they are certainly knocking, you know, a third of them back, uh, which is good news for consumers because what those companies have to do is either you know, um, go away and lick their wounds or indeed go away and find ways to improve their processes and systems, reapply and then get in. So, um, um, you know, it, it, the, the, the outcome of all of that is that it, sh- it should be uh, encouraging solar companies to make their systems and processes better for consumers and that's a good thing. Well, that's good. Yeah. Well, was yeah. any reason given why these companies were rejected, or the, um, no? They don't disclose that. Um, it's it's usually. I mean, the bulk of the focus on the program is having really, really good controls around your documentation and marketing materials and any claims that you're making to consumers about performance or warranty or, you know, everything has to be really clear. It has to be, you have to be disclosing everything that needs to be disclosed and all that kind of stuff. So it's it's usually about systems and processes for documentation. Um, that's the big focus on it. Cool. Mm. Okay. Mm. And um, your dad's got his new system? Yeah, well, look, you know, this is one of those stories, Giles. I was chatting with the old man. I've talked about the upgrade that we did for his system recently. We put a 
really terrific heat pump on and got rid of his gas hot water system that's saving him a ton of money. We finally upgraded his PV system from a little old system that wasn't working to a, a lovely new five kilowatt system. We've got a couple of little batteries on there for him and of course the whole thing's monitored. So he's been adjusting to all of this and getting used to having a lot more energy. They're very low consumers of energy. But I was chatting with Dad um, and, and in fact for the last month or so I've been saying, Dad, just use more energy. You're just spilling it all at the moment. Your load's so low. Mum's been really, really crook. So, you know, warm the house up or cool the house down. You've got an air conditioner there. Don't be afraid to use it. Use the energy, but use it during the day. And he rang me the other day and he said, son, you know, for everything that you could talk about to do with solar, you've made your mum's life better. And you've done that with this solar system. You have changed her life for the better. And I said, crikey, Dad, you're going to bring me to tears. What, what are you talking about? And he said, well, I've realized that we've, as you've been trying to tell me, we've got all this excess energy. So now when I'm out, uh, I set the, when we're going out, I set the timer, I get the air conditioner to come on and, and warm the house up. So if we're coming home in the evening, the house is nice and warm when we walk in. And she remarked to me the other day that she's so much more comfortable. And when someone's been, you know, really, really ill, um, a small thing like that, just keeping the house warmer or cooler, can really meaningfully, dramatically change their quality of life. And, um, you know, uh, poor old mum's battled really hard for the last couple of years. So, you know, solar can change your life for the better. Sometimes the, the smallest things and the fact that he could see the where the energy was being used or not being used was the key for him. He's on his solar analytics monitoring every day making sure that he's managing his energy right but i just thought that was a lovely real world story about um about what's going on out there that is a fantastic story and it does make you wonder why aren't we doing this more often i mean look there's been a couple of councils like the darabin council in victoria which um has used its balance sheet to provide the capital to install solar on the rooftops of pensioners in its council areas and that's made their life more comfortable of course and lowered their electricity bill and they just sort of you know they they're just using the rate mechanism to sort of get the repayment on that and mm -hmm. um and um you just you just think you know um why can't that sort of thing be be installed with you know so many more people who you know are on pensions they're seeing their you know interest rates going down they're struggling mm. so, you know it's um we should be getting that sort of stuff in and those controls and that information out there um much more readily and it'll just you know it'll just change the whole conversation it will about, and i think um, i think it is happening slowly but surely we're stumbling across numerous projects now where um, particularly from local government the councils bless them you know are really um, nibbling away at this kind of stuff and there are several quite large projects that we're looking at um, right now um, that have some really really interesting opportunities and a lot of the ones that we're involved with are targeting um, either either you know public housing or community housing or we did a, did one recently for um, a local Aboriginal community housing organisation. So it is starting to trickle down, but it's kind of scattered around everywhere. There's not a there's not a you know driving force coming out of the federal government or anything. So it's it's very disaggregated all this work. But there is a lot going on. There is a lot going on. Yeah, and I've got to say I get a bit frustrated by some of the. Um by um, some of the charity groups and the social services groups, you know, and, and you'd really expect them to be arguing really loudly um, for the benefits of rooftop solar and smart mm. controls and things like that. Instead, mm. they're just sort of constantly whinging about, you know, so-called cross-subsidies and stuff like that. And you're going, guys, just stop parroting what the networks and utilities are telling you. Just sort of, you know, 
have a bit of a harder look at this and just think how solar can actually benefit your constituents mm. and make a real big push to make sure that those sort of te those technologies are made available to the people that you represent, yet you hardly hear a beep out of them about this. I just um, I get quite frustrated by that, but um, mm. but there you go. Well, the good news anyway. is there is some going on. Good, going good, on. good, good, good. I'm I'm glad to hear it. On on the same topic, uh, my own little um, uh, world. Uh, we had a new stove, new uh, cooktop installed uh, recently. I'm in a rental house, um, but we've got a little solar system and a few other gadgets hanging off the place and. Um, the, um, the Sparky came in and, and, and dropped the new hot plate in for us, one of the sort of glass, you know, um, ceramic-style cooktop things. Um, and the thing that I loved, Giles, was I went, oh, I've got the new stove, it's up and working now, and da-da-da, and I was like, oh, I wonder how much power this uses. I wonder if it's better than the old one. I wonder if it's worse than the old one. And, of course, boom, straight away I could log on to live data and, and actually what's what, um, look at what was going on and understand, you know, have I got a bigger problem here or have I got a, a lower problem? Do I need to focus more attention on using the stove efficiently or do I not need to worry about it as much? So, you know, even though I'm a geek for monitoring, um, we, we, we know now... Um, through analysing our users, that people's interest in monitoring ebbs and flows, right? They, they, they kind of get excited and then they don't care for a while and then something happens, an event happens, you get a new stove, your son hassles you about using the air conditioner to keep your mum warm, whatever it may be, and you need data then to understand what's going on. Um, so for me, another real-world test was just being able to, in a few seconds, just be able to go bang, 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 there you go, I know what my new stovetop uses. And what was the answer? The answer was it was about 20% less than the old one. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, yeah. So a little bit better. Yep. Well, now that you now you can, in all good conscience, put it on Instagram and become an influencer. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure that every photo you take in the next week, you're standing in front of your cooktop doing this, doing that. <laughs> yep. I can, I can see him signing me up for the uh, Fire Festival 2 <laughs> on the yacht. I'm just the invite hasn't got here yet. <laughs> Ah oh dear. Yeah. Okay. Now, what else have we got? Uh, well, some exciting technology news. Um, we actually crossed a, a really um, exciting hurdle last week and signed an agreement with an inverter company that we've been working on for a while. Um, uh, that in itself is not that exciting, but what's really, really cool about it is it's our first true integration project we'll where we'll actually be not only doing the monitoring, but we'll be working bi-directionally to send information to that inverter, to pull information out of the inverter. Um, that enables us to do control functions. It enables us to change the mode of the inverter. It enables us to turn the battery on that's hanging off the inverter or turn it off, which of course then enables not only a whole bunch of control, remote control features, but bang, you open up VPP capabilities for that particular inverter. Um, so we're now uh, on the path and the, the, we're into phase two. Actually, phase one was a kind of proof of concept test, which is complete. And we're now moving into phase two, which is okay, let's really get into this thing. So really exciting for us because we're now now moving way beyond just you know being there as a monitor but actually moving into the control and VPP space uh, long time coming bit more work to do but um, everything's looking really really good so far so that's cool excellent 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 yeah look and um, I understand that Delta are also doing some work with Nissan particularly with their new leaf because um, the leaf comes supposedly with vehicle to grid um, or vehicle to house um, capabilities which means you can download your battery and um, you know 
use your electric stove um, or, or do whatever. Um, but there is some issues with actually fitting into the grid and having the right inverter capabilities and things like that. So my understanding is that Delta are doing some trials on that. So um, they are. They the Nissan are. Leaf, yes, and Nissan Leaf is being officially launched this week. Um, so there's um, there's a few people going to be driving around with it and um, giving their um, giving their thoughts. I haven't got my invitation yet, but I'm hoping that comes very very soon, Mr. Oh. And Mrs. Nissan. <laughs> and um, <laughs> Mr. <and> Mrs. Nissan. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, um, it will be very interesting to see that. Um, we're uh, we're involved uh, around the fringes on on that one, and actually met with the Delta guys, uh, their EV team, the other day as well. And we've been chatting with them about some of the pilot projects that we've both got going on. And is how, that right? Yeah, and um, you know how we can integrate and um, I- integrate between not only the inverter, but the inverter and the battery, and not only the inverter and the battery, the inverter, the battery, and the EV uh, charger. Um, and you know we can sort of um, be in that ecosystem if we do a good job. So um, uh, that's our aim. That's pretty exciting. Well, good stuff. And mm. um, look, that's, we should use that as a segue to some uh, EV news. EV um, now, and uh, news. Uh, yes, absolutely. Now, apart from the um, apart from the launch of the Nissan Leaf, and um, it's going to be really interesting. Actually, the, this, this this coming six months mm. is going to see more new models launched in Australia. Um, I think than you've probably seen. Um, um, ever, yeah. as far as electric vehicles goes. I mean, you've got the Nissan Leaf, you've got the first Tesla 3s being delivered, um, we still understand, in August. Yep. Um, you've got the first um, Mercedes coming out, you've got the Mini Countryman's coming mm. out. The Jags, um, dude. The Jags. Um, the Jags? I thought it was already here. Is, is there yeah. another one? Oh, it's here, is it? Okay, good. Yes, yes, good. no, it's here. Okay. Um, the, the I-Pace and, um, and some other ones coming as well, so that's pretty mm. exciting. So... Um, mm. Um, interesting and, and stuff, and it is, and and you know, really interesting. There, I, I picked up on an article the other day that said, "Get this, Giles. There are four hundred and ninety electric car manufacturing businesses today in China. Four hundred ninety, would you believe? It's but, almost as many vehicle. There's almost as many um, businesses in China as there are electric vehicles in Australia. In Australia. I mean, I kid you not. I mean, I think there's about four thousand full electrics in Australia, but yeah. um, geez, yeah. four hundred ninety businesses in China. Yeah, it's unbelievable. It is unbelievable. And I read a really interesting um, analysis of the shakeup of the market. In fact, they described that their headline was, there is about to be carnage in China in the EV space. And it's really, really interesting for those who've been around the PV industry for a while. You go back sort of five, ten years ago, and it was a very similar scenario where there were literally hundreds if not thousands of PV manufacturing businesses in China and and the government was highly incentivizing them get into the space build up our capacity build up our experience build up our technological capabilities and just get in there and and it worked and they got thousands of businesses in there and I literally met someone who said you know if you had a sock factory or a cigarette lighter factory it made more sense to convert it to a solar panel factory and people literally did that so you know the, the good side is you get a really fast ramp up of an industry you get everyone talking and collaborating and learning from each other and everything else but then as time passes what the Chinese government does in fairly brutal terms is then lifts the bar really really high and um, and they keep lifting the bar and lifting the bar and these other companies the bulk of the companies just will not survive if they're too small or they haven't developed good IP or they haven't developed good tech they'll either go back to whatever they were doing before 
or they'll go bust. And the um, this article that I read was talking about the same, exactly the same thing is about to happen in EVs. There's going to be a huge shakeup, so we're going to see a lot of those companies exit. Um, so you know that's good and bad. It'll it'll focus all the intense. In interest and 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 um, research and development and everything down into a much 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 smaller bunch of companies, which should result in them being bigger and more successful. But of course, along the way, there's going to be some pain. <laughs> Sounds pretty good. But, um, can we get to bikes? No, because we've got to talk about IKEA first. Because just oh. on my sort of, you know, no, it's my one contribution to the China story, which was mm-hmm. that in China, all IKEA deliveries are now done with an electric truck. Oh wow. There you go. Wow. So um, there you yeah. go. That's my contribution. Yep. Yep. That's okay. good. Get to bikes now. <laughs> Great. Well, I will. I will mention the EV noise generator thing because um, that came in on the first of July, only a week or so back. Um, so in Europe, if you want to sell an EV now, it has to generate a noise under 19 kilometres an hour. And we touched on this. We did. We touched on this because who was it? There was a. There was a. American rock band who were working on, I can't remember who it was now, who had been asked to help um, develop some of the sounds. There was another one the other day with a guy working for BMW, a big composer or something. He's working on trying to invent the electric vehicle sound as well. But uh, it's going to be fascinating over the next few months to see what all these EVs are delivered with in terms of sound. Um, And, you know, we all know that. Uh, the noise that a vehicle makes is quite emotive. It brings back all sorts of memories as a kid of, you know, things that went fast. If they made noise, they went fast. Um, so, you know, keeping that emotional connection to the vehicle is really, really important and, uh, and continued, continued drivers towards that, which is good. I reckon a really good idea if we had that in Australia, instead of actually having like a mechanical noise or a whirring sound or something like that, you'd actually have like a recording of one of our government ministers saying something like, you know, it'll be the end of the weekend, it'll be the end of the weekend, EVs will kill our weekend, you can't charge an EV within five days, you might as well walk to Bathurst. Well, that's what we should can't have. Tell a can't, 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 can't tell a caravan, can't tell a caravan, absolutely. Tell a caravan. <laughs> I like it, I like it. I like the idea that may too. be your best yes. idea ever. Um, it could be. It could be. <laughs> Look, I've, I've painted it already. I've just, yeah. just been on. The, I've just been on the net. Yeah. Ah, dear. Um, um, motorbikes. So much going on. No, 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 no. Let's not no? get on motorbikes. Let's go to New Zealand first, oh. where they don't have much influence from the Murdoch media. So today or this yeah. week, when they announced um, this fee bait idea, so basically what they're going to do is they're going to finally have some fuel emission standards in New Zealand, which is one of three OECD countries along with Australia. Uh, that doesn't have them and so basically they import absolute crap fuel into the country so they've now decided that they're going to have a emission standard which is going to increase the price of the uh, petrol cars particularly the most polluting ones and they're going to transfer they're going to use that money to then provide a subsidy for um, electric vehicles. So it pushes up the price of the dirtiest petrol cars by about six to $8,000. It lowers the price of electric vehicles by around about the same. It leaves largely untouched your average uh, petrol car, you know, your sort of standard model Mazda and Toyota and things like that, which are not particularly polluting. So it still gives people choice and accessibility if they can't, if they don't want to make the move to electric. Um, so revenue neutral, going to dramatically increase the uptake of EVs. They've got a target of 100% of sales by 2030. And all the media there said it was a wonderful idea, mainly because they don't have any idiots from Murdoch Media over there. So um, just goes to show. It's not that hard, really, is it? It's, oh, it's really not just hard. not that hard. What a wonderful but, example of how sensible, still... pragmatic, 
well thought out policy can help transform a market without you know stopping people from having weekends oh look it's not about the ability to have um it's not about the ability to think well you know um think up good policy it's about having the balls to actually do it and i remember josh frydenberg actually came up with the same sort of idea a couple of years ago he wrote an op-ed piece yep um he said let's have some fuel emission standards because quite rightly he just said it's just ridiculous that we don't we're you know it's costing us you know god knows how many billion dollars in extra imported um diesel and fuel costs and it's costs the average household or driver six hundred dollars extra because he's got crap performance from his vehicle mm. and then i remember him talking at the energy efficiency conference it was a couple of weeks after he'd floated this idea and he was asked about it and he says oh no we can't do that you saw the reaction from the murdoch media no no they tear us to bits yeah. And it was that moment I thought, you pathetic idiot, you know. Um, really? I mean, you know, yeah. God, I couldn't, I couldn't talk to him after that. Mm. Anyway. It's disappointing, isn't it? Electric bikes. Electric bikes. <laughs> Thank goodness. Listeners have been hanging on. They've had to sit through the whole episode to get to this bit that they, I know they're all hanging, hanging for. Pikes Peak. Uh, let's talk about Pikes Peak. It's uh, a hill climb. I wrote an article which uh, you guys very kindly published on the driven we did and many people read it oh, was, oh excellent yes, added excellent. bonus excellent it's <laughs> always nice um the most interesting thing about that race um was not only that um a, a petrol bike won it this year um which is sad for the yeah. uh, electric um nerds like me um because an electric bike has run it in uh, has won it in the past um however um it was won by petrol bikes this year but um two electric bikes out of the four entries finished um bad luck for the two who dnf'd um but uh, the Yuan team, who I interviewed, and, and again, a, st- a story about a year ago, yeah, a bit over a year ago from those team when I interviewed them about that bike they built for Pikes Peak and they also race at the Isle of Man. Um, uh, they came in um, really, really well with a, with a uh, 10.19 time, which placed them from memory in about sixth position overall, which is a really, really good result given it's a university team custom-made race bike though and really not built for that hill climb um but what was really really telling was that a production electric street bike finished ninth overall so that's out of all the cars all the bikes custom-made factory you name it um all sorts of creations there an off-the-shelf production electric street bike finished ninth overall, which is just remarkable of where we are today. It is amazing. Yeah. It is amazing. It just tells us how, how, how much this has actually developed. Yeah. It has, when a street bike can do that. Um, mm. So, yeah, um, um, tragically, you know, there was a death in Pikes Peak. In fact, the guy who was winning it, um, who actually set the electric record um, back in 2016, Carlin Dunn, died doing what he loved most uh, on his way to what looked like a, a record-winning run, just literally a few hundred metres from the finish line. Um, so um, condolences. Oops. Condolences. It's very tragic. Mm. Um, more motorsport okay. news. Can I give you more motor? Just a little bit oh, Just briefly. Just very, 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 this is very brief. History. History only happened two days ago, Giles. Moto E. So MotoGP is the premier... A uh, motorcycle racing class in the world, Valentino Rossi and the other big guys. It's the premier class. And for the very first time in the history of our planet, a Moto E 
premier class race. They ran about three or four o'clock in the morning Australian time on, on Monday. Um, it's really worth Google, uh, YouTubing it just to hear the noise of 18 electric bikes um, uh, racing. Um, it is quite an astounding noise, not for everyone, of course, but um, what was really, really cool is they have now done their first race. And this is, remember, we talked about this, all their bikes burnt to the ground uh, back in March when they were preparing for the race series. There was a, 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 a fire that occurred because of a faulty charger, nothing to do with the bikes, um, but it burnt the whole lot to the ground and Energica, the manufacturer of the bikes, had to scramble and build an entire new um, set of bikes for everyone, so 30 or 40 bikes new. Anyway, they've had their first race. Um, the Moto GP, uh, the Moto E bikes came in about seven seconds a lap slower than Moto GP, which, given that it's their first race, is really something quite remarkable. They're about four seconds behind Moto Two. Um, they carry a big weight penalty, and I could rant on about the details, but we're, we're running out of time, so I won't. But do um, jump on the Moto GP site and have a look at some of the wonderful footage. We're watching history in the making. These guys have just started. The riders are excited, they're enjoying it, and um, uh, importantly, one of the key things they've done is put this race earlier in the program so the fans don't, they, if they put it on late in the day, the fans will go home. So they're putting it on earlier, so people are getting to see it now and getting to experience it, and seeing these bikes doing amazing things, and the racing was was fantastic. So there fantastic. you go. Historic. Historic. Bit of a history Excellent. this week. And look, I'm going to um, end this podcast with an invitation to all our listeners to come over to the Byron Bay Golf Club next Wednesday, 5.30 to 7.30. For, you know, there's the, um, there's the sundowners in Sydney and you get a couple of hundred people turning up and um, yeah. to the um, every couple of months. Well, in Byron Bay, we've um, um, Rusty French, um, which sounds like my language capabilities, um, he's got together and, and, put, uh, and, and is putting up this sort of um, uh, solar drinks Calling really? it Solar Social. Next Wednesday. So, next Wednesday in, in Byron Bay. The, I'm going to be Byron in Gold Byron. Club. You're going to be in Byron. I'm You're going to be, be there. In Byron. Well, I was going to be coming home Wednesday night, but I might have to twist a few arms and see if I can stay. 5.30 to 7.30. We can, we can do a live broadcast from the from the Byron Bay Golf Club. How about that? What a nice idea. What a nice what a idea. Nice I might see if I can do that. That'd be terrific yeah. to see you and yeah, Rusty you and go. the rest of the gang. And if anybody wants to come down from Brisbane or fly out from Sydney or from Melbourne and stuff like that, um, it'd be fantastic to um, meet some of the locals and um, just a bloody good excuse to come out to Byron Bay. Yeah. Hey, speaking of events, you know, Sea uh, in New South Wales is on this Friday too for listeners. Great little um, um, hands-on, great training, about 100 people usually. Um, poor old Diana, she works her works her backside off to make this event happening to make it happen and get lots of people there come along it's always a great event um then there's another one coming up not long after in townsville which is another sea event uh smart energy council's got an event on soon clean energy council's got an event on there's lots there's lots going on Joel. so there's lots going oh on. and look and driven and renew economy are also yes. got the co-hosting their electric vehicle transition conference so i booked that in my calendar well, that's, that's in Sydney, pr- isn't it? That's in Sydney, yes, yeah. yes. So it's I'm not really going to be about models and the latest sort of product stuff. It's really going to be about the business of EVs. So, um, <sighs> you know, some of the stuff that you guys are working on with Delta about mm. vehicle to grid and some mm. of the other things. So, um, you know, big transition happening here, a big change. You know, if you think about the way people are going to be thinking about their energy needs because they can have rooftop solar they're still wondering about their household batteries they want to have an electric vehicle so how does that all fit together yep 
And how do networks think about this? How do retailers think about this? How do policymakers think about this? Well, not very much at the moment, as it turns out. And how much do all the other institutions think about this? So that's the um, and we're getting a that's pretty good theme. lineup there. So Great. Um, yeah, Great. yeah. So that sounds um, really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. So um, excellent. So mate, we're gonna have to wrap this up because it. it's um, I don't we're think people wash their dishes this long, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, great to catch up, Nigel. You and too. Sorry, to, sorry to our listeners um, that we were away for three weeks, but I hope we've made it worthwhile. Um, I hope I'll, I'll, I'll see you live in person next week. Wow. Good on you. Everyone, thanks for listening. Don't forget to check out our other podcast, Energy Insiders, and also the Driven Podcast. And um, thanks to our sponsors once again, Solar Analytics and PV Cell from the boys at Sunwiz. And thanks to you, the listeners. We'll be back again very soon. Solar Insiders was brought to you by Solar Analytics, designers and suppliers of smart solar monitoring. Visit solaranalytics.com.au, get empowered and make the most of your home energy. Solar Insiders was also brought to you by SunWiz, the creators of PV Cell Software, powerful technology for solar sales and design. With free, high-definition rooftop imagery in every PV Cell plan, retailers can stay ahead of the competition. Visit sunwiz.com.au, Australia's leading solar software.